Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. Let's say our declaration like we mean it. All right. For those of you who are new, we say this every week, uh, at least every week of 2021. Here we go. I will constantly guard my heart and align it with God's holy word for everything that I do flows from it. Amen. So anyway, this today is going to be a new series. I thought that, uh, I think that you guys thought that we would never move on from vertical. Uh, but today I'm going to introduce a new series to you guys. And it's just very simply called free and, uh, free. It's coming from life, life lessons that we're just going to dig out of the book of Galatians. Um, I don't know about you, but I like freedom. I've never met a person that has ever been incarcerated. Now there's some of us, not me, of course, y'all reprobates out there, not talking about me. We've, we've got people in here that have been incarcerated before. They've been in prison. They've been in jail. You know, we have people watching online. I got several family members that, you know, have served time. I've never met any, any of them that have said, I just enjoyed my time here. I mean, I sort of hate it's coming to an end. I think I'm going to do something that I might get a few extra years added to my sentence. I just, I've never met anybody like that. Everybody that I've ever visited in jail has always been eager to get out. I had a brother that uh, got caught up in the wrong crowd when he was a very, very, very young man. And actually he was a boy. Uh, he was, I think, just turned 17 when he committed this crime. And uh, he and some of his buddies, uh, they uh, broke into a house and stole some things. And the reason that they got caught is because the guy who they left in charge of the getaway car, uh, who, again, very good friend of my family, um, while they were inside doing all the stealing, they came out with a load of stuff and the getaway car's gone because they left a 14-year-old in charge of the getaway car. Well, he had a car full throttle, <laughs> Behind, uh, in front of him and he was behind the wheel and he thought, well, while they're in there, I'm just going to take a spin around the block. So while he was in, out taking a joy ride and they come out and they're, they've, they've got their arms full of stuff, you know, there's five other guys looking, Where's, where, where is the getaway car? And here he comes around the uh, curb thumping, you know, like boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And, it, and they're standing out there. In the meantime, the person that lives across the street is seeing all of this. All right. So what happens is they get away with it. But there's this verse of scripture in the Bible. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Yep. <laughs> Be sure. Y'all know where I'm going? Anybody know? 
be sure your sin will find you out. My mom still works for the city of Greenville. I was, she's 88 and she still works at the same job for the city that she's worked for 40 years. My dad worked for the city of Greenville as a assistant fire chief and firefighter for my whole life. Both of my parents worked for the city. My mom works for the police department. My dad works for the fire department. Well, guess what? It took them a year, but those detectives did their job. And we had someone come. I don't know if this is ethical or not. I'm just telling you what happened. We had somebody come from uh, the department, sat down at our house. Come on in, Joe. You know, we're sitting down to eat. And he's like, well, George, Betty, it's not that kind of a visit. I need to talk to you. I sit down, tell him what happened. And they shared what happened with one of my older brothers. Can you imagine, like, you're, this is your child, but you are ethically obligated. Just, first of all, you're ethically obligated spiritually, but they're also civically, ethically obligated because they work for the city. My mom works for the police department. I remembered the conversation with my brother sitting at the end of the table and my mom and dad sitting there and they said, son, you're going to have to turn yourself in. And they're like, mom, please, please. I mean, you've never heard the wailing and weeping and gnashing of teeth that was going on. Please, mom, please, dad. You, you, th- I, you, uh, son, we can go down together or we will turn you in ourselves and they will come take you away in handcuffs. And my mom and dad took my brother down to the city jail and uh, they arrested him. I don't fully understand all of the law, but at that time in Mississippi, somehow, even though he was 17 when he committed the crime, he was sent a year later, I think he had turned 18, and he spent one year in the federal penitentiary in Parchman, Mississippi. I remember going there as, a, as just a little boy. Okay, so I must have been like five, maybe four years old even, because uh, I, was, I was 15 years, uh, 14 years younger than him, so you do the math. I remember they, my parents I remember a little kid. I remember my parents. I remember them having to take off their clothes and different things and getting, you know, searched. I remember seeing all that, not understanding what it was. I remember going out into the courtyard and I remember sitting there on a blanket that my parents had brought and we would have food. And I remember my, uh, my, uh, brother, you know, he missed, you know, he, he, he's big and bad, 18 year old. You know, I, I remember, y'all, I don't guess kids do this anymore. They just wear their pants with their underwear showing, you know. But back in our day, we had that strut. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Trayton, you know what I'm talking about. You, you probably got a strut, you know. But, man, he come out there, man, he... You know, he's coming across the, the yard, you know, looking all tough. And, you know, and he's like, you know, what's up, mom and dad? What's up? I'm so glad to see y'all. And, and we all sat down, sat down on the ground, on the blanket. And he's like, <laughs> you know, 
all, all, all of a sudden, the big bad man on, 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 he's like, I'll never come back to this place. I mean, he is terrified. He begins to tell us stuff that was going on. And he's like, I'll never come back here. I'll never, you will never see me back. And he didn't. It got a hold of him and it set him on a right course. But he was terrified. He didn't like it. He didn't want to come back. He wanted to be free. And he made a decision that I'm going to act different differently when I get out of here. And he's like, I love y'all. Can y'all come back next weekend? Can y'all, you know, and he's like, I love y'all mom. I love y'all mom. I love y'all. I love y'all. All All right. I'll see y'all later. I'll see (laughs) y'all. You know, never met a person that said they wanted to be in bondage. Never, not a single one And this is what I want you to do. I want you to open your Bible to Galatians chapter 1 because really what this is talking about, Paul's laying out to us this basic foundational principle that the church is still getting wrong today. And if I could be completely blunt with you, there are some of you in this building, you still don't have this right And I pray that you will have the ears to hear that you prayed for earlier and said you're going to be making yourself teachable to the Holy Spirit. So Galatians is written by the Apostle Paul. It's written to a group of churches in a region called Galatia. Galatia's not a city. Galatia's a region. Just like if he were writing a church, a letter to the churches on the eastern shore. Like we would know, like this, we would know what that, or if he were writing a letter to the churches of Baldwin County, we would know, man, it's going to the Methodists, the Baptists, the Episcopal, it's going to all of us. And so he's writing a letter to the various churches in Galatia, to which he planted, by the way. He went there, he planted these churches, he dug them out, he introduced them to Christ. And just as with a lot of the letters in scripture, like 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Romans, there was even a 3rd Corinthians, maybe others, but there were other Corinthian books, we call them either books or um, letters, that's actually what they were. They were letters that the apostles would write to either give instruction or correction. And many of these letters were, uh, would have elements of both, of clear doctrine, bringing you back into alignment or introducing a spiritual concept or correcting a problem. Now, Paul, if you know him, he was Saul before he had a conversion, a miraculous, supernatural uh, theophany. God, God in the, you know, third heaven showed up on planet earth. Jesus showed up before him and, you know, asked him, why are you persecuting my church? Saul was a bad dude. He was, he was commissioned by the Roman government to go and root out Christians, to persecute them, to behead them, to incarcerate them, whatever it was, but he hated Christianity and he was a Jew. So he hated this new cult because that's what they thought Christianity was. 
They called it the way. Jesus referred, they, they, they referred to Christianity as the way. And this was a cult to the Jews. This was a cult to the Romans. It was just one among many. And so they were rooting out what they truly thought was evil. And so as he's writing this letter, I want to, um, I want to give you just a little bit more about, uh, of some background and then, and then we'll dive into it. So I told you to get there and I haven't even gotten there. Um, what happened is in Galatia, they, there are some people that have come in and they have begun attacking Paul's character. So Paul, in the, in the first part of this, let me see where I, I lost it in my Bible. They took it out. There we are. So they've, they've come into the church and they've begun to attack his character. They've actually begun to attack his authority. Has anybody ever seen that in the modern day church? You ever seen that? It's not pretty, is it? Like uh, you, you see people, they begin to attack the spiritual authority in the house. Hey, I, can I just tell you, it ain't because I'm self-conscious. It's not because I'm uh, insecure. Um, it's not because I'm a power-hungry tyrant leader. But I'm telling you, if anybody ever comes to you and they begin to attack me, run from that person. Run from them. There's so many issues going on there, I can't even begin to get into them for the sake of this. But I promise you, that is not somebody you want to associate yourself with. Anybody that comes in and begins to try to attack the spiritual authority of the house, that's a devil behind that person. You know, Jesus, he spoke to Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. He didn't say Peter was Satan. He said, get behind me, Satan. Peter, you're under the influence of Satan. And so many people think that they, uh, I've had people, listen, a doctrine of a demon is where the, uh, the enemy, the person, the enemy manipulating that person truly believes that they are operating in a spiritual way. I've had people to tell me, uh, well, you know, God called me to be a watchman on the wall. God calls us to be watchmen on walls. Absolutely. Elders are watchmen on, on the walls. Pillars of this church are watchmen's, uh, watchmen on the wall. You can be a watchman on the wall. I am a watchman on the wall. But a lot of times the enemy will take that, that sound doctrine of teaching and mix it and twist it. And before you know it, no, you're not the watchman on the wall. You're just a gossip. That's what you are. You're not a watchman on the wall. You're just a troublemaker. You're just, you're just negative. You just want to stir up dissension. You want to divide. And, you know, and, and again, but they will truly believe that they are operating under sound spiritual principles. 
And what happened is they've got a group that has come into this church in Galatia, or to the churches in Galatia, and they've begun to attack Paul's authority. They've begun to say, hey, the things that he was teaching you, uh, not that, well, I mean, he was kind of close. But he, he, he was off the mark a little bit. And so Paul, Paul's like a daddy. Now, if there ever comes a time where the Lord calls me overseas to do something, uh, or if, you know, there will come a day when I won't pastor Destiny Church. You know, I'll have to retire or, or whatever and that, that kind of thing. And, uh, but I've, I will always be connected to Destiny in some way. And I would love to see myself as a father of this house that, you know, when, 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 when I'm 88, my mom's 88, when I'm 88 and y'all see me coming in, in the back door, you know, I might be walking slower and uh, 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 not as tall, but I would, I would hope that people would, would give me the honor. Why? Because it's just the thing to do. And when you give honor, God honors that. And Paul, he feels an, a, a, a fatherly connection because that church was birthed out of his uh, spiritual work. And so it's like somebody's messing with his kids. Somebody's messing with my house. And so he's writing this letter to correct it. And you have to remember, Paul, a lot of times when... You know, the Bible was written by men who were not perfect. And a lot of times we think that, you know, well, everything that happened in the Bible was exactly like God sanctioned everything. God didn't sanction everything in the Bible. Stick with me, because if you're not, you're going to close me off and going, oh, heretic, heretic. Stick with me for a second. God couldn't find a perfect person to write the Bible he took men who he chose and were submitted to them and worked through their faults. Even Noah, who it said, I believe, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, got drunk and danced buck naked in front of his kids. So much so that they tried to cover him and put him away. Like, you can't find a person. David, who was a man after God's own heart, and that's the only person in the Bible that, that is referred to that way. David, he was so messed up in so many ways. But God writes through, and God uses imperfect people who will submit themselves. That's a, that's a sermon right there. We could just say, let's just go home on that and feel content in the Lord because every person in this building is imperfect. We are not perfect. And Paul, there were things that he would write. And as a young Christian, I'd be reading some of the stuff and I'm like, ee, oh, do. <laughs> but you have to remember who Paul was. See, we can't see it on the pages. We have to kind of get it through his writings. And he's not alive on planet earth today. So we don't have a real life example, but Paul was a bull in a china shop. Paul was just a bull in a china shop. You didn't, he, he wasn't Thomas. Thomas, he was like, well, I don't know. Let's think about it a little more. And I'm not really sure, you know, that might've been doubting Thomas, but that's not Paul. 
Paul is, he'll, he, you know, he'll come in and kick butt and take names. That's who he is. And Paul, some of the stuff that I read in the scripture, I'm like, oh, ooh, that was hard. No, he didn't. He just called them out in front of the whole church. How would y'all feel if I called Brian and Carol down front? Let me, let me take a drink. you feel if I call Brian and Carol down front and say I want y'all to come down front you don't have to but I want y'all to come down front I saw y'all last night I saw y'all's car over there at the hoochie coochie club and I peeked in the window and I saw y'all getting jiggy with it I saw y'all I saw you how would you feel that's what Paul did He's like, he calls people out by name. Y'all, I'm telling you, there's many of us in this church. Y'all better be glad you was born in this day and age because you couldn't survive in the first century church. You couldn't survive in that. I ain't gonna pity patty, patty cake you. Pastors nowadays are like, well, I just, I got something to talk to you about. I, you, how, how can I put this? Uh, Dude, not Paul. Sit down, I need to talk to you. I mean, he ain't even going to try to warm up. Just sit down, I need to talk to you. Now it's going around that you in this church and you, you sleeping with your, your mother-in-law. What? Brothers and sisters, y'all hear what I say about him? This should not be. This, this is scripture, friends. He's talking, and he's, he's talking, and he's like, Harold, I'm just going to tell you, man. Oh, Alan, he was with me, but he stabbed me in the back. Stabbed me in the back, man. I thought he was with me. I thought we were doing this work together. Next thing I know, he's trying to steal all the folks. And yeah, yeah. What does Paul do? He's like, Onesimus, he was with me. Demetrius, he is with me. Just calls him by name, dude. He's just a straight shooter. He ain't, he ain't gonna uh, pull out the harp and start playing soft music behind it and go, I just wanna talk to you about your life. You know it ain't right. He ain't gonna do that. You know what he's gonna do? This is Paul. He's like, Pew. He's just a straight shooter. He's just direct and to the point. We're not going to read it today, but I'm going to encourage you to go read the book of Galatians. It's six simple chapters. You can read it probably in 40 minutes easily. And in chapter two, we'll probably get a little more into it. But Paul, some of the things that he would do in scripture, I'm like, I don't think that was very godly. I don't think you should have handled it that way. And guess what? He was, he probably could have handled it. But that's who God chose to use. And it worked. And there's grace. And so in, first, uh, in the first chapter of Galatians, 
I'm going to read the whole thing, okay? So I know people ain't used to reading a lot of scripture in church, but I'm going to read the whole thing. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk just a little bit about it. All right, so he says, this letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. Stop. He's just saying, listen, ain't nobody appoint me to this. God himself chose me. I ain't getting paid. You ever heard somebody say, listen, I ain't getting paid for this. He, that's basically what he said. He's like, I ain't getting paid for this. Ain't nobody appointed me to this job. It's a hard job. You know why I'm here? Because God called me to it. That's why. Why is he saying this? Because there are people in that place that they were appointed now, there's nothing wrong with being appointed. There's people in this church that have been appointed. You weren't called to, to do it. God didn't wake you up in the middle of night and say, I want you to operate in the gift of preschool. No, we needed some preschool uh, leaders and we appointed you. We asked you and then we appointed you to that position. And many of you in this place have been appointed to ministry. There's nothing wrong with that. And then there are other times when you're called. Well, Paul's letting them know, listen, God called me. So you need to know who you're talking to. You need to know who's writing to you. I ain't just some Johnny come lately and somebody, you know, uh, gave me an ordination paper online. I, Holy Ghost called me to this. And I'm showing up. Listen to me. There are going to be people in your world that are going to attack your credibility. They're going to attack your credentials. And this is what I want you to, to think about this. As I'm, as I'm reading this or, or uh, preaching this this morning, I want you to understand that choices chart courses. This whole message today is going to be about choices because a choice that you make is going to chart your course and lead you somewhere. I'm telling you what, I know, I know that this kind of preaching or teaching does not normally appeal to young people, like really young people. But as you start getting older, and I'm looking at you guys who are a little, who, who you're getting a little older and you're getting ready to, to, to really step out into the world. And some of you already had, if you can get this truth that your choices, oh, it's so simple, Pastor Rife. That's not rocket science. Exactly. It's not rocket science, but very few people truly take this seriously. They'll go out and they'll do all kinds of things, not taking into account that your choices are going to affect your, I'm sure that day that my, my brother broke into that house. If you had told him, Hey, I just want you to think it's all cool. And you and Billy Ray and, uh, uh, and, and Bubba Ray and, you know, and Skeeter, y'all, it's all cool. Y'all Mississippi boys, y'all going to go in there. Oh, it all sounds, oh, the adrenaline's flowing. It all sounds real good now, right? Right? But I'm sure if anybody said, can I just fast forward? Can I just fast forward 16 months into your life and let you see what's, what this choice is going to make in your life? And they reel out prison and the things that were happening in that cell. 
and the things that were happening in the outside block where they all are, I can guarantee you those boys would have made a different decision that day. Because choices will chart the course of your life. And so Paul, right here, as he's talking, he's saying, hey, you need to know who is giving me the authority to speak to you. Who is your credentials? This is going to mess people up who my wife has already got on to me when I let her uh, proof these slides because she's like, wait, your English isn't right on these. You don't have your subject verb agreement. I said, no, 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 bear with me. It's supposed to be that way. Who is your credentials? Not who are, because who are implies uh, more than one. Who? Jesus. He's your credential. He's the one that gives you the authority. He's the one that gives you the power. He's the one that gives you permission. And there are going to come people in your life from time to time. They are going to challenge your credentials. And if you don't know who you are in Jesus, if you don't know that you are qualified and, and you've been called to this thing, you will get intimidated. Well, who are you? Let me tell you who I am. Well, who are you? Who are, who are you? I don't know. <laughs> Hang on. Let me think about it. Let me see if... I'm telling you. I mean, I have had people to intimidate me before. Because the devil is intimidating. Now, he's bluffing, but he's intimidating. He's a big bully. And he'll bust up in there and he will... He, I've had people... I've preached sermons in this house that I know are biblical, that I know are sound doctrine, but somebody out in the audience has a different philosophy on that. And all of a sudden, you get wind of that. Why? Because the devil loves to blow his junk in your direction. Yeah. Let me just put that Let me just breathe that over in his direction. Waft it that way. Pastor, I'm just telling you, they're, you know, so-and-so, they, they don't agree with you on this. And I'm like, agree with me? They don't agree with Jesus. Because there's just some things that's black and white. It's just there's no room for negotiation. There's some things that's room for negotiation, but there are some things that there's no room for negotiation. It's just the way it is. Just the way it is. And there will be people that will come attacking your credentials. Well, that's your opinion. That's your opinion, Brian. No, friend, an opinion is my preference. I'm telling you what, there's things in the scripture that I don't like. There's things in the scripture I wish Holy Ghost would have left that out because I don't prefer to do that. But it's not about my preferences. It's about what he has instructed us to do. And I don't, there are certain things in the scripture that I do have an opinion on. I've voiced this before to you guys, but fasting is a discipline that I would prefer not to do. Can't you tell? I would... I, I don't really care for fasting. 
And I wish I felt differently about it. I just wish I did. But I know that fasting is a serious spiritual principle. So my, fa- uh, so my preference, my opinion does not matter. I can whine and complain about it all I want to. But do I want to be submitted to the Lord or not? And I'm telling you, every time I call a fast, you know I've heard God. You know I heard God because I don't like to do it. And every time God starts calling me to do something like that, I have to repent. I have to say, now Lord, I stood up in front of people and said, I don't like to do it. And you know I don't like to do it, God. I know that's terrible to admit, Lord, but I can't lie to you. I could try, but you see right through that stuff. I just have to get real with God every time. My opinion doesn't matter. Who are your credentials? Don't let people's opinion of you. If you're in Christ, don't let people's opinion of you. He's just strange, man. He's just strange. I mean, come on. About every person in the Bible was strange. I don't know, dude. He's just a little out there. He's just a little weird. She's just a little this. She's a little that. Listen, I'm just telling you, you got to be careful what you say. Who is their credential? Are they credentialed by the Lord? Are you credentialed by the Lord? Then don't worry about what people say about you. Just flat out don't worry about it. If you and Jesus are like this and y'all good, don't worry about what people will say about you. And so uh, let's, let's get a little further than verse one, okay? He says, all the brothers and sisters here, join me in the sending of this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God the Father, he's fixing to sum up the gospel right here. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Everybody say grace Grace. and peace. peace. Grace and peace, that's really simple. It's really important. May the Lord... Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins just as the Father uh, planned it before the foundations of the world. He was bruised for our iniquities. You get it? He's laying the gospel out here real simple in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Why is that important that he puts that in there? Why? Because he said, I'm an apostle appointed by the Lord, and this is the voice of the apostle. If anybody else comes to you talking any different from this, listen, kingdom people talk the same. Mm. I don't care what denomination they are. Now, denominational people talk the same too. I don't even want to get into that. But listen to this. Kingdom people talk the same. You start hearing them talk about Jesus. You'll start hearing them talk about prophetic things. I remember when I didn't move in certain circles and I would hear them start talking about prophetic stuff. I didn't know what they were talking about. I never heard people talk like that in the kingdom. And then I'm like, I ain't never heard of that. Tell me what you're talking about. I've never heard of the fivefold ministry. Tell me what that is. Kingdom people talk alike. And Paul, his, he's validating himself not just by his title. He's validating himself by his beliefs. 
And they know this to be true because he'd already been there and experienced, had experience with them. So as he's saying this, they're like, oh yeah, that's the Paul that we know. That's the Paul, that's the, that's the one we know. And so look at verse six. It's fixing to take a blunt turn. He says in verse six, I'm shocked that you're turning away so soon from God who has called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. For you've been following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it's not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who, are, who will deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse, I'm just telling you, one day I'm gonna study that out. If some of y'all have studied that already, talk to me at some point. I'm gonna study that out. God's curse, the, an apostle, Paul, is saying, let God's curse fall on you. If, you. if anybody else comes preaching another Jesus than the one we preached. Well, who does he think he is? I guess he's got a corner on the market on Jesus. You, you see what I'm saying? That's how the Judaizers, that's how the Jews who came in, the false teachers, that's exactly what they're saying. And he's saying, if anybody else comes into that house and starts preaching any other Jesus than the one I just told you, God curse them. Yeah. Well, that's not even loving. <laughs> that's kind of harsh. God curse them. Jesus. He says, verse 8, let God's curse fall on anyone, including even an angel from heaven. Well, we know there was at least one of them. His name is Lucifer. We know he preaches another gospel, including or even an angel, us or even an angel who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again, I mean, dude, he's saying it again. <laughs> I'm telling you, Betty Jean, my, uh, my mom, she got the spirit of Paul all over her because she'll be tearing you up, sometimes physically, you know, with that big old black belt from the fire department. She'll tear you up. And man, I'm like, it's settled down. The storm has settled down. It's passed by. She'll walk through that. And another thing, I'm telling you, and I'm like, I thought the storm was gone, man. Jesus, look, Paul, he's telling, let a curse fall on him. Let a curse fall on him. And then he says, again, he said, let me, let me find it, find it, find it, find it. He said, verse, is it nine? Yeah. I, I say again, what we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcome, let that person be cursed. I mean, that's some tough stuff. It lets you know what Paul is dealing with and it, it's not pity patty. It's not patty cake stuff. And he says, verse 10, obviously I'm not trying to win the approval. Well, obviously. <laughs> He's like, I just want y'all to know I ain't trying to win the approval of any people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Well, we know Mr. Congeniality. Like, you didn't came in, you didn't ticked everybody off, you didn't called them out by name, you didn't, you, you done told them in some of your uh, letters, you done told, don't make me come down there. 
Like, I'm busy over here in Asia Minor. If I have to come over there, I will come. It will take me three years, but I will get there. And I will find you, and I will kill you. No, I'm sorry, I'm getting it mixed up with the movie. He said, I will find you. I will come down there. I'll take care of business. And then in verse 11, he says, dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere reasoning. I received my message from no human source and no one taught me. Instead, I received it directly by revelation of Jesus Christ. You know what I was like? Listen to him. He says, you know what I was like? When I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church, I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. What he's saying here is, y'all know how I was before I got saved, right? Some of y'all, you know how you were before you got saved, in, in the, uh, the jiggity jack shack that Brian and Carol were at last night, you know that's where y'all was at. You know, y'all, y'all been in those places. You know where you've been. I know where I've been. And when you know where you've been and how you have lived and how vile we have, things we have done, when we sing songs like Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch. Oh my God, please, Lord Jesus, don't ever let a reel of my life be played on a screen in front of my church family or my wife or my kids. Because that guy, I would never want you to see some of the places and things that I've done. But that guy, by the grace and peace, grace, everybody say grace, peace. Because of his grace, I have peace. Because that guy don't exist anymore. Amen. Amen? And it, whoo. So he's saying, you know, you know how I was. And he's like, some of those cats were bad. They were just doing their jobs. Well, I'm just here to evict y'all. Y'all got to get out. The Roman government and all the Sanhedrin said you got to leave. Paul was not like that. He said, I was, I was far excelled by those. Those guys were elementary Paul, he going to arrive with a battalion of 20 Roman soldiers. Boom, boom, boom. Nobody move. Nobody's leaving alive. You, you see what? I, like he was zealous for his call. And so he says, you know who that guy was. He says in verse 15, but even before I was born, God chose me and called me. Say he chose me. He called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened, I didn't rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went away into Arabia. In other words, this joker got straight to work. When, he, when you know you're called to, by God, listen, I'm talking to you. You know how many people come to me and they tell me, well, the Lord's calling me preacher. He's calling me, man. I just feel it. And you know, Holy Ghost, you just, uh, I, and y'all were singing that song. And I'm, you know, I just feel call, I'm called. I know I'm called and I'm, God called me to this. And you know what I'll do? 
I'll just, I'll wait on that. Because first of all, God ain't spoke that to me. Secondly, I wasn't there when that happened, so to speak. So I'll just wait on that. And I'll pray about it. Hey, preacher, um, can I preach? You know, I'm like, I can't even get you to church. I ain't in a relationship with you. I don't know you like that. You ain't going to stand up here. As a matter of fact, I heard from uh, Pastor Chris Hodges, something that they do at their church. And I'm like, I, we are going to do that here because I've been saying that. And he said, before they walk out, they've got a sign. You probably won't see it, but it'll be behind that. And it just is a little sign that I want to get because they do it. And I, I love the idea. And it just says, it's a privilege to serve on this stage. And I'm like, oh, I felt Holy Ghost schools bumps go up when I heard him say that. Because that's exactly how I feel. Have I been preaching that to our team for years, my whole life? It's a privilege. The people that live here cannot just, that, that stand here cannot just live anyway. If something happens, God forbid, that one of us mess up, then what, we got to come off this stage. We got to come down here and we got to sit right there for a minute, for a minute, for a minute. Doesn't mean you can't ever come back, but you got to sit there for a minute. Well, you're just punishing people. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, you got to sit down. Don't you get up and try to tell me how to live right when you ain't doing it yourself. Don't you get up and tell me, try to treat, teach me how to treat my wife when you sleeping around on yours. Don't you get up. Nope, 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 nope. Don't you, don't you tell me something from here that you ain't doing yourself. It's a privilege to stand on this stage. Paul said, uh, uh, sorry, I don't know. I think it was James said, hey, brothers and sisters, let's not rush into saying that we're all going to be teachers. Let's think that through a second because whoever is teaching is going to have to live at a higher standard. I didn't make it up. It's the word of the Lord. And so anyway, um, he says, verse 15, before I was born, I read that one. He said, I didn't rush in. He said, I didn't go to consult with anybody. I didn't go up to Jerusalem. He said, I just dove in. So let me finish up. I, sometimes I start things and I forget to finish them. <laughs> Old Roscoe, preacher, can't I preach? I'm ready. I got me a message. I'm like, brother, I can't even get you to church. You, I don't know anything about you. Why don't you, why don't you come alongside of us and you know, why don't you come watch how we do ministry for a while? Why don't you come be a part of this house? I got to go. It's like fire shut up in my bones. It's like fire shut up in my bones, preacher. You know, they got all the religious jargon that they spout out. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. For long, that joker ain't even in church. He's gone somewhere else. You see him out in Walmart somewhere. Hey, Roscoe, what's up? What's up? Hey, 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 preacher, hey, preacher. <laughs> they were hoping not to see you. What you, what you up to, buddy? Um, what's going on in your world? Tell me what God's doing. Well, I'm still working down there at, you know, crispy whatever shack. Really? Well, what are you doing with, um, you know, God was calling you to whatever? 
Well, I don't know. Listen, if God called you to it, you're going to find a way to do it. If God called you to do something, there's not a man. It, if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong in doing, say, why don't you sit down for a little bit? Let's get to know you. Let's build that relationship. If I'm wrong, God will deal with me. But you do, bro, whatever God's called you to do. Because if it's like fire shut up in your bones, you're going to do it. I had a man in, a, in the denomination that I served in before we planted Destiny Church. He told me these exact words. I wanted to punch him in the face, but I'm just saying. This is one of my spiritual leaders. And he said, I know you think you're called to pastor and plant a church, but you're not. And then he has the nerve to demean me and say, um, Rife, it's kind of like a kid that goes off on a missions trip for their first time. And when they come back, they're called to be a missionary. Cause they're all hyped up and they're all, you know, excited and everything. And he said, that's what you're experiencing. And I said to myself, not to him. I said to myself, well, I must be been experiencing it for 15 years. Definitely for the last 10 that God spoke a prophetic word over me that it was going to happen. You know, but I'm just telling you, I didn't rush into anything. I've been on a path. I've made my choice. I'm going to follow the leading of the Lord and it's going to happen with or without you. And he's like, well, it's going to happen without me. <laughs> and I got fired. I didn't know that I got fired. I didn't even think about it. I'm like, I just had to make a choice. And I don't know how long it was after that, but I asked Shay one day, I said, did I get fired? <laughs> she said, let's see. He said, you can't work here and do that. Yeah, I think he got fired. I'm like, I got fired. How could that happen? But God had called me. I knew what I was supposed to do. And I was going to do that because the man sitting behind that desk was not my credentialer. Jesus was the one who credentialed me. I want you to look at this. Who's your calling? Who is your calling? Paul said that I just read to you. I don't have to speed this up. Paul said, I'm called to the Gentiles. Oh man, most of the apostles were wanting to go preach to the Jews who had a religious knowledge. Jesus called Paul to the Gentiles, to the reprobates. I mean, these are the idolaters. I mean, they're the sex uh, worshipers. They are, they're messed up people, dirty, so far in the gutter as far as Judaism goes. That's who God called him to. That's who God, not to the Jews. Peter and some of the other apostles, they were called to the Jews. He was called to the Gentiles who did not know Jehovah. They worship false gods. And so who is your calling to? Listen, everybody in this room has a calling to someone. Like, I don't know who your calling is to. If you're in the education field, I would suggest you're called 
to students. You're called to faculty and administration. You're called to be a light. If you're in the retail world, like, man, you're, you're calling. You're, it's so broad because you're in front of people all the time. There are some people that you are in uh, the, the uh, very intellectual circles that some of those people who are highly intelligent are some of the hardest to witness to. There are some people that you're called to the very simple circles. And I don't mean this to sound derogatory. They're, you know, you're, you would be called to people like my dad who had, an, had 10th grade education. He's not going to be expressing our thoughts on Pythagorean's theorem or anything like that. That's, you know, he doesn't even know who Pythagoras is. You know, I mean, he, you're going to have to, you know, call it. Very, very, very simple for him. Some of you are called to simpler people. Whoever you are called to, there is somebody that you're called to. Who are you reaching? Who are you being the light to? Paul knew who he was being a light to. Now listen, that can kind of help you understand why Paul might have been so abrasive to church folks. I ain't called to y'all. I'm called to raunchy old sinner folks. And I'm going to introduce y'all to the love of Jesus. And somebody else is going to have to take care of y'all. That's what he was all about. And he, he didn't deal uh, with a lot of religious people. You're going you're gonna to have to have pastors for that. Because pastors, like, they're all tender and trying to keep everybody happy and, you know, spinning this plate and spinning this plate and keeping that one going. That's how pastors are. But he's like, I ain't got time for all that. Here's what y'all need to believe. Believe it. Do you believe it? Yes. Have we believed it? You said you believe it. All right. I'm going to set this thing up. You're in charge. You're in charge. Y'all are the elders. You're going to be the teachers. Y'all are going to be, you know, so this thing's set up. All right. Keep it going. I'm going to... Corinth, or I'm going to Rome, or I'm going to, you know, uh, wherever. And I'm going to check back in on y'all. And that's what this is. So who is your calling? Look at this one. Who are you committed to? Oh, I wish I had time to really dig this out a little more. But who are you committed to? Because this is what he's saying to them. Listen, you told me that you were committed to Christ. These jokers have come in and now they're preaching another another faith of a different version of the faith. They've taken some truth and they've mixed it with religion. And now you're following that. I'm just shocked because while I was there, I told you that this is all you need. It was very simple. Grace and peace. That's all you need. Grace and peace. It's very simple. But they've come in, the Judaizers came in and said, uh, uh, yeah, the whole grace and thing, peace thing. Uh, we also got to deal with this thing with circumcision. Snip, snip. We got to deal with it, guys. What? Man. Y'all, were, y'all don't even remember your circumcision. Y'all was a baby. You have no recollection of that. You talking about 30, 40, 50 year old men being circumcised? I don't think so. No, no, no. Uh uh. Religion, listen to me. Religion is painful. 
Religion is, it'll embarrass you. Religion does not care how it corrects you. It'll expose you. I, now, I know we're talking about, you know, circumcision. I didn't, bring, I didn't make it up. It's in the Bible. But we, we get all crazy. By laughter, y'all know that it's just something we don't talk about every day. But they're forcing this as a major spiritual issue. Sorry, you're not circumcised. You really can't make it to heaven. They're making this a cornerstone issue. I'm just telling y'all, uh-uh. If you're going to come tell me I'm going to be circumcised at the age of 53, I'll just bust tail wide open. You know, that's, I mean, that's in the flesh. You know, you start, you start just figuring it out, you know. But praise God for infant circumcision. I'm just saying. They went, here's what religious people will do. They'll put a standard on you that they didn't experience themselves. And Paul is saying, who are you committed to? Are you committed to something that's going to lead you down a dark road, a dark place? Or are you committed to grace and peace? Because that's all you need. Grace and peace. Everybody say it. Grace and peace. But no, we don't think we need just grace and peace because we're thinking, well, surely there's something I got to do. Surely I got to tithe to the church. You don't have to tithe, but if you do, you will have a blessing that other people will not have because it's a blessing tied to the tithe. You don't have to even serve in the church to go to heaven. But if you do, you will be more like Jesus than any other way. Because Jesus said, I did not come to be served. I came to be a servant. So when you are a servant, you're more like Jesus than anybody up here that might have this incredible gift or whatever that are just relying on their gifts. But you're not serving. I'm telling you, I've served with people like that, that they're, they're playing the drums because they love to play the drums. And verily, verily, in the, in the words of Jesus, I say unto thee, you have received your reward, my brother. And listen, y'all know I'm not talking about Dwayne or any other I prophesy drummers that are gonna come to this house. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not. But I have played with people where it's like, they're really doing this for them. It feeds them. Jesus said, mm -mm. I'm just telling you that who are you committed to? Who are you committed to? Are you committed to the one who just gives every excuse for you to ditch religion and make it easy on you? But somehow we still choose to make it harder. Let me just kind of finish this up. All right. Um, 18 says, then three years later, I went to Jerusalem. So listen, he goes off on his journey. He ain't, he ain't even studying nobody. He's just gone following Jesus. And then three years later, that's his first time that he went to Jerusalem and he met Peter. 
the chief apostle at the time. He said, I stayed with him for 15 days and the only other apostle I met at that time was James, the Lord's brother. I declared before God that I'm writing to you, what I'm writing to you is not a lie. And after that visit, I went north into the provinces of Syria and Cilicia. And still the churches in Christ that are in Judea didn't know me personally. And this is such a beautiful thing, these last two verses. As they all knew... All they knew was that people were saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. In other words, not they praised God because the change they saw in his life. He's saying, y'all know I was like this, but y'all know me now. And you, you knew that guy and you knew this guy. See, y'all don't know the raunchy rife. Y'all don't know that, that guy, and I hope you never do. All, all you know is the one who's in relationship with the Lord. That's the only version of me you knew. But the people that knew me before and know me now, they saw the, the change that, you know, from one to the other that I made. So who you're committed to, I think I have a, a couple of others. I'm not going to read Genesis chapter 3. I might get to that next week. Uh, and it talks about how God sets choices in front of us. A tree of life and a tree of death. Tree of knowledge of good and evil. A tree of life. We, we, we wake up every day with choices that we will make. That will chart our course. And I don't know if y'all remember it. But I, I did a series not too long ago. And it was called, Is It the Wise Thing to Do? And I'm telling you what, brothers and sisters, you need to ask your question with every, is this the wise thing? Should I hook up with that girl? Should I? And I know hook up means a lot different what, than what it meant in the 80s when I was dating. Should I date her? Is it the wise thing to do? Should I be with that guy? Is it the wise thing to do? Because your choices are going to chart your course. Should I take this job? I ain't going to be able to work. Uh, I ain't going to be able to come to church uh, any Sundays. It's going to take me out of my men's group or women's group. I, pretty much I'm just going to be all online or whatever I can get. I'm just telling you what, that ain't God's will for your life. That sounds selfish to say, well, pastor, you just want them to come to church. Absolutely, I do. But I'm telling you, that's not God's will for your life to be separated from kingdom people. Is it the wise thing to do? You can do it. There's probably some blessing in it, but is it the wise thing to do? I was so proud of my daughter. I won't go into de details with it, but I was so proud of my daughter in the field that she's operating in. She got a job offer and she turned it down. Now you have to understand, you're trying to get your career off the ground and listen, Folks, you, you ain't got to take everything that's set in front of you. We're kingdom people. We have choices and our God is our resource. But a lot of times what we'll do is because we want to get there so fast, however way we want to, the enemy will serve something up. It actually looks more flavorful than what God's serving up. But you're going to have to make some compromises there it's, it's just this one thing and nobody will even know listen I was so proud that she 
turned that job down. God will provide, you, you know you're letting a good opportunity, you're trying to get your career off the ground. You know you're letting this good opportunity go. Don't listen to that voice. God will, the choices you make will chart your course. Choose wisely. Who will you choose? Not what will you choose? Because listen, every time you make a choice, every time you make a choice, you are choosing Christ or you're choosing Satan. It's really that simple. He says, no man can serve two masters. There's really only two. And everything you do is going to be one of those. Who are you going to choose? Remember this, that no matter what the situation is in your world, you always have a choice. It doesn't mean it's going to be an easy choice. Doesn't mean it's even going to be a choice that you like. There have been times when I've had a choice before me and I made the choice and I went to the bathroom and threw up because I wanted in my flesh so bad that opportunity, but I knew that is not what God called me to. This flesh wanted it, but I knew that was not what God called me to. And I'm not joking to you. I went to the bathroom and threw up because I wanted it so bad. I had just desired it, but I knew it was not what, and I chose God. How do I apply this, Pastor Rife? It's real simple. Choose grace and peace. Grace and peace. How do you do that? Do you know that living godly, being saved, is simply choosing to allow him into your heart, to allow God to speak to you, and you don't have to get anything else fixed before you come to Jesus. I was taught the opposite of that. I was taught you've got to clean yourself up. You got to get, you got to be free from addiction before you get saved. You got to get your act together in all of these places. Nope. Grace says, I accept you just as you are with all of your junk. We'll figure that out right now. I just want relationship with you and I know you don't, you aren't righteous. I'll make you righteous. I know you can't pay the debt. I'll pay the debt for you. That's what grace is. Grace is just like you getting everything that, that you didn't work for. You, don't, you didn't do anything for. That's what grace is. And peace comes because it just releases you. You don't have to be good. You don't have to be holy. Stick with me. You don't have to be righteous. You don't have to be all these things. You don't have to be, you know, Danny do-gooder. You got, I, got, well, I got to start serving in church. I've got to start giving. I got to start doing. That's what religion is. Religion makes you focus on all these things you've got to do. It's so simple. It's really, how can you mess this up? Here I am, Jesus. The end. I surrender, Jesus. The end. I give my life to you, Jesus, the end. And he'll come and he'll make things new with you. And then if you truly fall in love with him and you are, are, are wanting that relationship, not religion, relationship with him, 
God will begin to talk to you about ways that you can be more like him. And it brings such a peace. I'm telling you what, when I was in religion, I was doing everything I knew to do. Religion focuses on what you have to do. Relationship focuses on what Jesus has already done. He's, he, he paid everything for you. When I was in religion, this is what I did. I constantly focused on all my sin, on all the things I had wrong with me. I constantly was like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Or, oh, I shouldn't have had that attitude. Or, oh, I shouldn't have physically done this thing. And, oh, I, I'm not saved again. And I would go through this thing where every week, because I wasn't living right, guys, as a teenager, and I would come every week and I'd be like, God, 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 please save me. Please save me. And I would get saved every week in my head. And the Lord's like, you're already saved. You know, I wasn't smart enough to know this. At time. He's like, you're saved. You're saved. But my behavior had not changed. How can I be saved and my behavior didn't change? It's because I wasn't smart. I wasn't mature. I didn't know spiritual things. But the closer I drew to Jesus and the more in love with him I became, I began to understand, oh, when I love him, I don't do that. I don't act that way. And it's not because I have to do all this list of things. It's because I'm so in love with him. That doesn't even appeal to me anymore. Like that's, that doesn't, that does not even excite me anymore. And it's such a peace that came over me as where before I was focusing on all this stuff I got to do. And I was never at a place of peace in my spiritual walk. And I'm telling you, when you understand that being in the family of God, once you're in, it is so hard to get out. Religion is like you kicked out every week, like boop to the curb, boop to the curb. But it's so much harder to get out of the body of Christ than, than we think it is. Once he's got a hold of you, he ain't, he ain't going to let you go easily. He's going to work with you. He's going to minister to you, sharpen you, refine you. And a loving God does it. Religion is harsh. But a loving God, a loving God. He will chastise you and make you enjoy it. I don't know how he does it, but he'll be like, I know you're doing this for my good. So choose grace and peace. And this is how you do it. Just set up some accountability and set up some reminders for yourself. Set up some accountability and set up some reminders. If you're having a problem with something in your world, my wife has this little th sign and uh, it says, choose joy on one side. And what's the other side, Shay? Uh, I don't know. It says choose joy and the other side I can't remember. I wish I could because I always turn it over when I, you, you know, you walk in the room and it can be on either side and she's always got choose joy. And I, I always go in and I switch it to the other side, just messing with her, you know. And, uh, but that's a visual reminder because the area that she works in at the education field, 
I'm just telling you, y'all got to have some. If you work with children, and I've worked with children and youth the majority of my life, you got to have some peace. And you got to like, Jesus, help me now, Jesus. You got to help me get some peace. Set some reminders up for yourself. Set some accountability. And can can I just say this too? You need to be your own accountability because it is a cop-out for somebody else to be your spiritual police. When I ain't got any intention of doing right myself. No, we are self-controlled. We'll get to that in chapter five of Galatians, but we are self-controlled. And it is not right for me to say, Harold, can you hold me accountable when I'm not planning on holding myself accountable? No, he's my backup. He ain't my primary. I'm my primary. He's my backup. I'm gonna hold myself accountable and then I'm gonna submit myself to you and say, hey bro, you can speak into my life anytime. And if anything you see is out of alignment, I want you to speak to me and I want you to help me be accountable to what God has called me to be. So listen, I hope that you've gotten something out of this today and I hope that you'll walk out of this place today knowing that God has called you to somebody and if you haven't figured that out, why don't you let that be a project for you? You and God, some people are called to their family. Some people are called to people in their occupation. Some people are called like I am to uh, be a, a clergy. But if you don't know who you're called to, why don't you make that a project, okay?